If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 15, excuse me, Romans chapter 16, the last chapter in the book of Romans. We're concluding a series that we've been in. Uh, we've been really walking through the book of Romans over the last about 15, 18 months, just intermittently with series. And, uh, but we've been doing a, a series, a five-week series called Love Does. We've been walking through these last five chapters of the book of Romans. And I hope you'll be back with me next weekend for Father's Day. I got a great message. I know every pastor says that, but, but I found a passage in Scripture where um, it, it talks about the greatest of all time. And we're not talking about Jesus. But Jesus gives that, that goat, greatest of all time, he gives that accolade to somebody in Scripture. And I've never seen it before. And I was just doing some studying, doing some reading, and I came across, I thought, this is just too good. Uh, especially with the talk about Michael Jordan or LeBron. Give me a break. It's always Michael Jordan. Amen. Can I get a witness? But anyhow, if you, if you don't like it, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you weren't born during the great era of the 80s. I'm sorry. It's too whatever. Anyhow, I just go on and on. I, I, I digress. So I need to get into this. But uh, we're going to talk about that next weekend. So I hope you'll be back with me. It'll be a great message for men and for all of us and uh, just a good thing. And then we'll get right into a summer series. And I've got a message that, uh, two weeks from today that is going to, I'm going to just kind of share my heart about a few things. Um, my plan, there are three major initiatives that God's really laid on my heart coming out of this past season that we've been in. Uh, one is to enlist a thousand prayer partners at all of our campuses, to have people that are actively praying for what God, I believe there is Ephesians 6 on steroids more than I've ever seen in, in my entire time of senior pastoring for almost 20 years. Uh, secondly, uh, I just believe it's time for us. It's a great awakening. Uh, there's been 70 years since the last great move, what we would call, theologians would call, and historians would call, a great awakening in our country. And we see this uh, from Jonathan Edwards. We see this from, from D.O. Moody. We see this all throughout our, our, our history in our nation. And I believe we're in that season. And so we're going to be um, doing a fall, what I would call a revival and for some of you, you've never been to anything like that, but we're going to do church on Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and just, and just show up, have worship, have preaching, and then we're just going to get on our face before God. And it won't be for, uh, I will ask you not to invite people, which when I say that, you'll invite people because that's kind of what we do. It's like wet paint, don't touch, and then what do you do? You touch it. But the truth of the matter is I believe that we need a great awakening in our country and in our world again. And so you're going to hear some of that. I'm just going to kind of unpack some of that as we get into the beginning of the summer. Uh, when I first talked to the staff about this, this was something that happened back a couple months ago. Uh, they were like, uh, I, was, I said, man, let's just do an entire month of this. And, of course, that got dialed back to a week. So anyhow, it's just kind of one of those deals. But uh, their wisdom is good on this. And so we're, 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 we're going to kind of, I'm going to be sharing that. So I hope you'll be here with me two weeks from today as I just kind of unpack that. Uh, and, that, and that you're here and that you're a part of what God's doing and what, what's going on. So this morning, I want to conclude with this, with this message. If you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 16, I'm going to look at three verses of Scripture, verses 25, 26, 27. Theologians would call this a doxology. It's the very ending of this book that Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church in Rome. And it reminds us that we who put our faith in Jesus Christ are strengthened for our good and for his glory. And I want to talk about how God strengthens us and how God strengthens us even in our weakness. He strengthens us for his good 
for, excuse me, for our good and ultimately for his glory. Now, again, I keep going back to this over and over and over, but I think every time that you're in a service, every time you're hearing preaching, you should have a printed copy of God's word or a digital copy of God's word. I am never going to intentionally lead you astray, but there are people that will. And, and I'm human, and I may miss, say something, misdo something, I, 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 whatever, but uh, not intentionally. But I, that's why I'm saying have your Bible, open it up. Again, use it as a textbook. Mark it up. Uh, write highlights in it, uh, things in the side, the margins, the whatever you need to do. But, but um, one of the reasons why I just, I just think it's so important because it's to remember that this is God's word to us. And, and, that, this, and that although this was written... Men wrote this. They wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so they're God's word to us. And, and, and in this last piece of this book that Paul writes to the church in Rome under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it's like God giving an autobiographical sketch of himself. He reveals more about himself. The last words of any book, the last words of any person, the last words are the, typically the most important. That's why I want to focus on this. So Romans chapter 16, verse 25, it says this. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, if you have an NIV or a New King James or King James, it'll use the word establish you. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery we're going to come back to that in a minute too. That was kept a secret for long ages, but now has been disclosed through the prophetic writings which have been, which have been made known to all nations according to the command or the, of the eternal God. To bring the obedience of faith to the only wise God to be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. So we see here just a couple of things as we kind of unpack this in verse 25. We see that God strengthens you for his glory. God strengthens you and I for his glory. The reason why he strengthens us is for his glory. It says there in verse 25, it says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you. That word able is the word, is the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. It means power, powerful, all-powerful, explosively powerful, amazingly powerful. And the word strengthen and if you have the, uh, like I said, the King James or the New King James, NIV, it'll use the word establish is where we get the English word steroids. It means maximum strength, maximum power, maximum strength. And so when you, so, and although I like the word establish better poetically, there are sometimes that there are translations where someone will translate something. And so I like that to him who is able to establish you. But the word strengthen is probably a better translation of that original uh, Greek word there. Uh, it, it, God is saying this, look, I am your source. I am your source. I am the one who is able. I am your dunamis. I am your power. I am, it, it, it's, it's like I'm, I'm the energy source. I, I, I'm the, yeah, you, you may have an electronic device, but it has to be plugged in. And, and so the, the truth of the matter is, is that, is, that, is that I am the source from which you live. And, and you I live, and in you I move, and in, in, in Christ we have our being. So Christ is our source. God's telling you, he is your source. This is important because many times in our life when we're running and doing life, we're not looking to him to be our source. Oh, on Sunday morning we do, but on Monday morning, a Tuesday afternoon, a Thursday when we're picking up those kids, and, and Friday when, when, when we're out on date night, and, and Saturday when we're mowing the lawn, we, mo most of the times we kind of we dichotomize. We kind of section our life into two parts. It's kind of like God's part and our part. 
And what God's saying is, look, man, no, 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 no. I am your source. I'm your source when you're leading in your family. I'm your source when you're leading in your business. I'm your source when you're leading in your life. I'm, I'm your source when you're knee deep in the water somewhere. Can I get a witness? I am your source always. I, I don't stop. I, I, I don't fail. There, there are no brownouts. There are no blackouts. There, 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 there's, there's, there, there's, there's no bill to pay. I am your source. If you'll let me be, I am your source. Why? Because I want to strengthen you. I want to establish you. I want to give you maximum strength. I am able. I want to strengthen you. That's like battery life. I don't just want to be your source for a short time. I just don't want to be your source for Sundays only. I don't want to be your source just for some small little set. I want to be your source. I want to establish you. I want to give you maximum strength. I want to optimize every area of your life. And so then God's power and God's strength in me is his glory. How does that work? The Bible says it's in my weaknesses that God's strength is made perfect. So the truth of the matter is, is that when God is my go-to, God is my refuge, God is my help, God is my source, God is my strength, then when people look at me and say, how are you keeping your cool right now? Oh, it's not me, man. If it were me, I'd be freaking out. But I'm telling you, I have found this peace that passes understanding in Jesus. See, that translates beyond Sunday morning. You know how many people I walked, drove by, I didn't walk by, I didn't drive, I drove this morning. How many people I drove by that were just doing life? I'm not judging them. My neighbors, people are doing the yard work, people going for a walk, people walking the dog. I'll watch those people that walk the dog in front of my house, make sure they got some little bag to pick it up afterwards. Amen. I'm like that old guy, like Mr. Wilson, with, you know, Dennis and Dennis, like I'm looking out the window. I'm, let, I'm letting them know I, I see you, what you're doing. Um, and I just go like, no, no, no. No, it, it's, it's, you're at work. You're at a family barbecue. You're at a neighborhood picnic. You're, you're just doing life. And people go, man, I'm freaked out about what's going on in the world. I'm freaked out about, are you freaked out? Yeah, except I got this peace, man. I, I, I got turned on to, to God's word and, and not in a way for just like VBS Sunday school, but like legit, man, like seriously, I, I, I can't tell you how much of this strengthens me, changes the way I think, and renews my mind. That's what, I'm, that's what he's talking about here. He says, look, I don't want just a Sunday morning experience. I, I, I don't want just kind of this, this, this ever so often or when you need me, but, but in a regular flow in your life, I, I want to be because then what happens is when God becomes your power, when he becomes your source, when he becomes your strength, when he becomes your ability, when he establishes you, then when people look at your life, what do they see? They see him because they know how jacked up you were. They see him because they know that you in and of yourself can't do that. They, they see him and it brings glory to God. That's what we talked about a year ago when, when the whole COVID-19 pandemic hit. Hey, the phrase fear not is found more times in scripture than any other phrase in scripture. Why? Because it is your and my defense to, to, to respond in fear and to respond to fear over and over and over and over. But what changes that? Well, my hope is not built in me. My hope is built in the Lord. He is my source. He is my power. He is my strength. He is my ability. He establishes me. Therefore, 
I don't have to fear. Oh, in and of myself, very fearful. In him, not at all. Because he's got this. Make sense? It's, it's this, it's, it's therefore, it's for his glory when he strengthens me. It, it, it shows up in my marriage. It shows up in my home. It shows up in my family. It shows up in my life. Does it mean I won't have problems? No, I'm going to have problems. Jesus said, in this world, you will have problems. But take heed, for I've overcome the world. So greater is he, Jesus, that's in you than he, the devil, that's in the world. So you and I may not be any contest for the devil, who goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But we, our older brother, and these aren't my words, these are God's words, Jesus Christ and our Father who is in heaven and the Holy Spirit that's leading and guiding and directing us and pointing us to all truth according to John's Gospel chapter 15. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. Why? Because he is our strength and he is our power. Woo, don't shout. I'm telling you, I'm preaching so much better and I'm getting all worked up and sweaty and I have to wear this because I'm, I'm doing a baby dedication at Brookfield today because some of you are going, why is he wearing that? <laughs> Making me get all sweaty. I don't want to be sweaty. I'm not even wearing socks. I'm trying to be cool. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Why? For when I am weak, then I am strong. Why? Because he is my source. He is my power. He is my strength. He is my ability. He establishes me. And what he establishes, let the winds blow. Let the storms of life come. Let the seas go as hard as they can. And when it is all over, I will still stand. Why? Because my foundation is not built in me. It's not built in my ability. It's not built in anything built by the human hands. It's built by him. So God strengthens us through the gospel. God strengthens you through the gospel. Let's read verse 25 and 26 again. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to what? My gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery. I'm going to come to that word in just a minute. That was kept a secret for long ages. Verse 26 has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings. and has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God. Now, when you read that word mystery, you kind of think of like, hey, this is like an Agatha Christie novel, like this is some conspiracy, a twisted novel plot that you maybe can't figure out to the very end and kind of a whodunit type of a deal. But that's not what that word mystery means in Scripture. Mystery in Scripture, mystery right here in this passage, means something formerly hidden, now revealed to everybody. Something that was formerly hidden has now been revealed to everybody. Mystery is what? The gospel, the good news. For God so loved you and I that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. And if we would simply accept and believe and confess him as Lord and Savior, we would be saved. That mystery, once hidden, and the prophetic teachings of the Old Testament, it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And he shall bruise his heel but he shall crush his head. Bruising of the heel, Satan, the death of the cross. 
But the bruising of the head, the crushing of the head, it's what Jesus Christ will do on Calvary's cross when he will crush the head of Satan and sin and all iniquity, and he will overcome death, hell, and the grave. A bruise to the heel, painful, yes. Deathly, no. A crush and a wound to the head, deadly, yes, forevermore. So it's encoded in the Old Testament, and we have the ability to understand it because we look here and we look back. And we go, oh, it's kind of like looking back on your life and go, oh, that's why that happened. Oh, I don't understand what's happening right now. I don't understand what's happening in the moment. I, I don't completely get, I, I, but, but, you know, God does. And I don't know what's in the future. But when you have the ability to look back on your life, you go, that's what happened there. And that's what happened there. And that's what happened there. Because hindsight is twenty twenty. We have the ability to look at the Old Testament through the eyes of the gospel. That's why I said last week. When people say, well, you know, the Old Testament is just a historical collection of data, maybe some fictitious stories, blah, 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 blah. And, I, and I, it's not church people that say that necessarily. It's, I've encountered theologians and professors, and I had one professor in, in my graduate studies that, that, that basically blurted that out in a class, and he just continued to pontificate over and over the statement. So finally, I was just like, I was kind of like, Papa, I can stand all I can stand, and I can't stand no more. And I just go then you're wrong because it says this and 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 you cannot negate this from that and without this you don't have this without an old covenant there is no need for a new covenant the old covenant shows us the inefficiencies that only Jesus Christ can do and then what about the prophetic just look at the statistical data and and I mean I just was waxing eloquently I was pretty impressed with myself it just kind of flowed you know the Holy Spirit will fill your mouth with the words you need in those moments he still, I didn't convince him, but I convinced other people in class. And, and it didn't matter. It was cathartic for me because I felt like I stood up for the faith. Because, again, what we want to do is we want to negate that. And the truth of the matter is that the Old Testament, we're able to look back. And so what was hidden is now brought completely to light because we understand it through the, who Jesus Christ is, through the lens of Christ, through the lens of the gospel. So what's the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is that God offers forgiveness to everyone. Anyone who calls on the Lord can be saved. Salvation of sin is an internal change that leads to an eternal life. It's Jesus through me, not my goodness, not my righteousness, but it's him. It's God strengthening me through the gospel. So every time I meditate the gospel on God's word, every time I think about the gospel, God's word, every time I read the gospel, God's word, every time I memorize the gospel, God's word, every time I speak the gospel, God's word, every time I hear the gospel, God's word, every time I believe the gospel, God's word, I get stronger every single time. Because the gospel, God's word, is not just the starting point of the Christian life. It is the Christian life. This is everything that we need. We lean so heavily on this book that if it were to move, we would fall. Listen, do not listen. <laughs> Can I, in the, the Bible says in the last days, there will be itching ears. There will be people looking for preachers to say what they want them to say. And they'll scour the internet. Doesn't say it quite like that, but that's kind of what it implies. Looking for it. Oh, you can find some hook or crook, some scam artist, some sham artist out there telling you what you want him to say or what you want her to say. You can have somebody having some kind of all kinds of crazy stuff. And the truth of the matter is, historically, there's nothing new under the sun. Like there's an ideology going around today. It's basically what, what we would call antinomianism, which basically means there is no absolute truth. 
Truth is relative. Therefore, because truth is relative, your truth and my truth can peacefully coexist, and there is no truth, because if there is no truth, there is no right, there is no wrong. And there are pastors and preachers that are preaching, hey, the Bible is a great companion, a great guide, but let's just follow Jesus. Well, that sounds good until you go, well, how do I follow Jesus? I mean, he's not still walking on the earth. I mean, we know he's here in spirit form, but, but actually he's here through the Holy Spirit. That's the dispensation. So how do you know what Jesus said? How do you know how Jesus lived? How do you know what would Jesus do? The Bible. And then there's a little thing called 1 John. Excuse me, John chapter 1. In the beginning was a word. And the word was God. And the word was with God. And the word became flesh, a.k.a. Jesus. And he dwelt among us. So truth, this, this is going to blow your intellectual circuits. Before it was written, it existed. It was there when God's spirit hovered over the face of the deep. Before the writer ever, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, pins the words, and God said, let there be light. It was there. Because God has no beginning, and God has no ending. Well, that doesn't make sense to me. Let me help you with that, Mr. Intellectual. It's because you have a finite brain that's trying to understand infinite truths. And there are some things inside of eternity that's what's called faith. I know in part and I understand in part. That's why we sing that old, old song of the church. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Just to rest upon his promises. Just to know. Thus says the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I've trusted him. How I trust him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for faith to trust him more. The Bible is the most powerful thing you can implant in your life and your kids' lives and the generations to come. Our words may pass away, but his words are eternal. The Center for Biblical Engagement said if you read the Bible just four times a week, not five times, not six times, not seven times, not three times, just four times a week, you are 74% less likely to struggle with gambling, 61% less likely to view pornography, 57% less likely to struggle with substance abuse, 40% less likely to struggle with bitterness, 30% less likely to struggle with loneliness, 228% more likely to share your faith with others, and 407% more likely to memorize scripture. So, if you want to memorize scripture, just read the Bible a few times a week. You, you want to share your faith more with others, and you're like, I don't know how to do that, just begin to read God's word. It, it, it'll come out. It, it, it just does. You don't even have to even make it. it, it it'll be there. You're dealing with loneliness? Just get in God's word. You're, you're dealing with bitterness? You're trying to overcome some hardships? Just get in his word. You're, you're, you're dealing with abuse, substance abuse? Get into his word. You're dealing with pornography? Just get into his word. You're, you're, you're dealing with whatever. Whatever is holding you captive, the key is his word. And this is exactly what Paul is saying, is that it is the gospel that strengthens us. It's God's word that strengthens us, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I got 18 seconds. My last point. 
God strengthens you to live a life of faith. It's the last thing that Paul tells us here. God strengthens you to live a life of faith. Look at verse 26. And all of this is done to bring about the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith. God, through his grace, reorients your life and my life so that we no longer live in obedience to the flesh, to the old man, to the old sinful desires, but rather into the obedience of faith. Look at verse 27. He says, to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. God says, I am the only wise God. Now, you got to remember, Paul is writing these words to the church in Rome, and Rome was not a monotheistic culture. The Jews were monotheistic. It was Jehovah God and every other little, little, little lowercase g God. There was only one true living God. He is Jehovah God. In Roman society, when this is being written, it, it, was, it was understood that there were many roads that lead to God. There were many pathways to God. See, Jesus making the statement that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man gets to the Father but through the Son, was as hostile, if not more hostile, in the first century as it is in the 21st century. Because this whole idea of multiple gods and multiple pathways and don't put your rules on me, this isn't a new construct. This isn't a new ideology. This is just something that's been regurgitated again from some secular humanistic bowel somewhere that's, that, that's resurfaced again. And people go, oh, that sounds good. You know why? Because I don't have to judge you, and not that we should judge each other, but I don't have to, to tell you, I don't have to be, I don't have to confront you. It has nothing to do with, with, with the truth. It has everything to do with I don't want to just go out there. You, you want to get some hate? Go on social media and just put, there is no other way but through Jesus, by heaven by which man can be saved except through Jesus Christ. There is only one way, and if you're not serving him, you're going to hell. I promise you, you'll get some hate. <laughs> Have any of you been tempted during this cancel culture time just to kind of say, I'm going to put something out and see if they cancel me? I have, I'm just telling you. Like, if I wasn't the pastor of Life Church, because I don't want to ever want to embarrass you. I don't want to ever want to do that. I, I do that naturally enough in myself. My wife tells me, every time I go on a trip, especially with pastor buddies, she goes, don't embarrass me and don't get arrested, whatever you do. I don't know why she says arrested. I've only been arrested one time in my life. I was in high school, it was a long time ago, whatever. I wouldn't do anything bad. I was out past curfew. My parents were other side of the state. We were, well, we were shooting bottle rockets at houses and cars as they're going by. It was a different conversation. <laughs> but Paul declares again, God declares of himself through this writing, there is only one way. There's not multiple ways. And that Roman culture, that would have set ablaze the haters. And God says, I'll help you. It's no mystery if you'll just seek me. See, the overarching theme of a Christ follower's life is that in all things, at all time, God gets the glory. And why is God getting the, 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 uh, God getting the glory so important? It's what Jesus says in John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 32. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Why? So that they can be saved. 
That's the reason why I don't have to survive. You don't have to survive. It's not about me. It's about him. It's not about Life Church. It's about Jesus. And the essence is that God strengthens you through the gospel to live out this faith. You and I cannot live this book out in our own. That's what the Old Testament showed us. We come up short, we come up short, we come up short. But when we get empowered by him, when his power strengthens us and establishes us, it will give you and I the ability to walk in obedience and faith and not in the flesh. And it will do so in a way that people will go, I know how Frank was before he came. I know how Susan was. I know how Jake was. I know how Rick was. I I know how Sally was. I know how Jessica was. I know how before Jesus. Look at them now. God has a way of doing that. Taking beauty for ashes taking darkness and turning it into light, taking that which is weak and making it strong. God specializes in that. I close today with an illustration story. 100 years ago, in a seafood restaurant along the Scottish coast, there were a group of fishermen that were in this, this restaurant and they were telling their fish stories and just going, and as they do, they talk with their hands. Not that I ever do that. And the fish's stories just kept getting bigger and bigger. And at one one swoop, they they one of the one of the guys hits a, a kettle uh, out of the hand of, of a waitress, and and the and the kettle of tea just completely just goes against the wall and this plastered wall, and it just stains it. And immediately she tries to blot it and figure it out. And the guy apologizes, and the and the kettle is, is broken, and and all of that. And 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 the owner just says, Hey, don't worry about it. We'll 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 fix it. Let's just go ahead and go on. And they continued on with their put another tea on and, and did their conversation. And, and they noticed that a gentleman got up from a side table and went over and began to around this, this tea stained blot, began to, to, to draw and began to, to write in. And, and he turned this, 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 and then he began to put scape around it. And, 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 and he, he turned this, this tea stain on this, this part of the wall into this beautiful wood wildlife mural with this beautiful stag right in the middle of it. And it was just pretty magnificent. He was just pretty gifted. And, and, and the owner said, wow, that's just pretty great how you did that. And, and what happened? And he said, you're, you know, my, my pleasure. And, and, and he let, let me have your lunch and, and I'll pay for your meal and the gentleman leaves. As he leaves, one of the guys at the bar says, you do know who that was. It was Sir Edwin Landseer, one of the most famous British wildlife artists of the 1800s. And it just reminds me of how God can take brokenness and stains on a wall. Something that the world would discard and say, no, 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 no. In that, I will show my glory. I'll take beauty for ashes. I'll give you joy for your mourning. I'll give you happiness and joy for your sorrow. Only God can do that. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. That's what this writing of the book of Romans is all about. In our weaknesses, in our struggles, and in our inadequacies, God shows up and creates a beautiful masterpiece.
if we'll but trust in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you today, Lord, for how it's a light into our path and a lamp into our feet. I thank you, Lord, how your word, Lord, just is so timely and just speaks to us in moments when we don't know what else to say. Thank you, God, that you didn't create us to be perfect. Father, you didn't expect us to be perfect. But rather, Lord, you said you would take our weaknesses, our faults and our failures, and through the good news, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, that which was a mystery in the prophetic teachings of old, what Isaiah would write about, that though his sins be as scarlet, his blood washes us white as snow. People didn't know, they just knew it symbolized the Messiah. God, when you uttered those words, as Adam and Eve and humanity was cast from the garden for their own protection, they didn't understand the words. And all throughout the Old Testament, it was all somewhat of a mystery when you saved mankind yet again through Noah and the ark, it was a Christ type of what was about to come. When you preserved Israel, through multiple regimes of the Babylonians and the Persians and the Medes as they continue just to raid once and over and over and yet you sustained your people. When you rose up Joseph, who would be a savior yet again and bring the children of Israel, your people, to the promise. And Moses, all the way through, it was like looking through a glass darkly, but Lord, your word says that when you appeared, Jesus, it all made sense. It all began to fall into place. And that mystery that was hidden has now been seen for everyone. The good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in our weaknesses, in our troubles, in our struggles, in our sorrows, that you bring life, not because of us, but because of you. So I pray today, let us find our strength, not in ourselves. Let us find our strength, not in some preacher or pastor or some steeple or stained glass. But let us find our strength in you, Jesus, in your word. And let everyone who sees our lives give glory, not to us, but to you. In Jesus' name, amen.